<laughs> that was like this. You had a substitute John Connor and a substitute Kyle Reese. You had a pointless T100 Arnold Schwarzenegger that for some reason had went to etiquette school. He was like, excuse me, pasta sugar. Yeah. <laughs> If you're going to do something like that, honestly, I think that it should have been he and Linda Hamilton were living together. Or that he and Linda Hamilton show up together and they are Terminator exterminators. (laughs) 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 Instead of having Carl's fucking drapery. Hey everybody, welcome to Sequelitis. Welcome to Sequelitis. Uh, My name is Matt. And my name is Manny. And we are going to talk to you guys about the new Terminator movie, Terminator, Dark Fate. Well, dun, 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 dun. Um, it gets kind of boring, especially like when the last film was just a trash fire. So I want to talk about the entire franchise. And I know that we have a previous episode that we talked about the franchise, but we're specifically trying to focus on uh, Terminator Salvation. Most people probably didn't hear that, don't know where to find it. If you're new to this, welcome. I would like to start off talking about Dark Fate, and then let's go through the whole thing. Well, well, let's set some ground rules for our listeners here, because to talk about this movie, you have to spoil it to some degree, I've decided. I wonder how much we can discuss this movie and exactly what we think about the movie without getting into spoilers. Because I feel like I could talk about some of that. But yeah, there are certain things, especially when you talk about the story aspects. And Well, well how about this? Let's, let's do a personal thing. Uh, whoever spoils the plot first loses. And we'll just do personal responsibility and we'll just try to talk about it without spoiling it. Are we putting I, anything I do... on the line? Well, <laughs> you think I'll spoil first? What's your theory? No, no, I'm just saying to make it interesting, like, maybe for the... You're going to lose. You always spoil, dude. <laughs> All that stuff is just a lead up. Okay, so, so now you're challenging it. me. Let's yeah. let's put something on the line. How about Our, Fight Club on Blu-ray? I already have Fight Club on Blu-ray. Uh, oh, how about this? Man. How about we play for Army of Darkness on Blu-ray? If, uh, oh, if I, I just... win, I get that, and if you win, then I get to buy you a Blu-ray <laughs> of your choice. <laughs> wow, um, that is harsh because that new Army of Darkness Blu-ray that I bought was an incredible find and an incredible jewel, but I know exactly what I'm going to have you buy me, so I'll accept the challenge. Okay, great. It's on. I can't there's wait little, to get my new movie. There's a little action for our listeners. Maybe maybe you guys <laughs> listening want to listen with a buddy and uh, put some side action on this. Let us know. Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Well, you really are speaking my language when you talk about buying movies because that's a currency that, I, that I'm very well versed in. All right. So this movie... <laughs> Linda Hamilton is a senior citizen. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a senior citizen. And they just keep making them come back and make these movies and fight these Terminators. And it just keeps going. It makes you pick apart the logic of the Terminator universe. Like, does it really make sense to send back a Terminator back in time? Like, And you never thought like that before. You never really asked that question. But this movie makes you uh, I think lots of people have asked that question. I think it's the same thing. You just keep sending it back, and it keeps failing at doing its job. And science fiction has this quality about it where it's trying to, like, warn you about something. Sometimes, certain kinds of sci-fi movies. 
this is like a sort of sci-fi horror slash sci-fi action that that kind of changes genres as the as the movies progress. But I would say the first Terminator is sci-fi horror. If I had to stick hard and fast to two genres, I, I wouldn't say action because I feel like action is not a type of movie. You know, I feel like it has to there has to be other things going on. If it's just an action movie, then it's like Fast and the Furious, then it's really boring. I really checked out during some of the action scenes. Like I cannot tell you how much action scenes like bore me, especially in these kind of movies. Is it is it fair to say that people have seen the trailers for this? They know the actors that are in it. Even telling the actors could be considered a spoiler. It's trying to reach back into the past in so many ways. It's trying to resurrect that original Terminator storyline, which it does a poor job of that. It has a Terminator sent back to the past to murder a target that's important to the computer people in the future. You know, the Skynet. Yeah, the future resistance. They're going back and they're trying to assassinate either a John Connor character or the person who's going to birth John Connor. Like, you watch the film and they reveal exactly what that is. But you know, like, looking at it, you figure it's one of those two things. They change, like, a major plot element that would be a spoiler to really go into. And by changing that major plot element, you know, I'm... I'm just not sure if how much you can really talk about the movie without acknowledging that because I understand why they made that choice. It, it's a choice based on which actors they have and which actors they don't have. I think that's what it comes down to, and they're trying to... Okay, so you're talking about the opening of the movie. We can talk about the opening of the movie without spoiling anything. What I will say about that is the way that it opens, what it chooses to focus on in establishing itself as a direct sequel to Terminator 2, it makes that movie irrelevant. It makes the first two movies irrelevant. And it's amazing to me because James Cameron was involved with this movie, whereas with Terminator Genesis, he was not. And, you know, there's this clip that I'm sure everybody's seen where he's standing for Terminator Genesis. He's like, I'm sitting in a dark theater. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. going to see things that you recognize. He's talking about what a big fan he is of that movie. And maybe he's just bullshitting. Maybe he just knows <laughs> that he's going to get some back end from this if it does well. So he's trying to hype it and promote it. Or maybe he just honestly has really bad taste in movies to where he thought it it was a good movie and a good Terminator. I, you know, I think I think when they're complimenting him by making a sequel to his movie, he has one of two ways to take it, and he's just choosing to take it in that way, which is very respectful of everyone involved. I'm sure there's another side of him where he's like, fuck you guys. Like, you thought you could take my stuff. You thought you could make my stuff better, and you're trash. You know, James Cameron is one of those directors that's kind of like a Christopher Nolan. Like, he pulls the wool over your eyes, but he does it in a way where you are, like, thanking him that he did it. You're like, thank you, Mr. Cameron. Thanks for pulling the wool over my eyes. Because the way he made it believable that the machines would send back a Terminator to kill somebody, you believed it because that was the premise of the movie. Some of the stuff that I didn't like about this was it seemed to have this real like political agenda to it that I did not enjoy. You take out all the characters that you had before, replace them all with women. Like, I agree with their agenda. Like, there should be more women in movies. But, like, the way that they're doing it, it seems like they're not thinking about the story. They're not thinking about the plot. They're just thinking, like, well, how can we take out this male character and put a woman character in instead? And when that's your only goal, that's a pretty low bar. You know, yeah, you did that. You put a girl in that role. Now, did you do anything interesting? Yeah, the character... exactly. Because they're doing things a little bit backward. They're making movies for the marketing, not for the audience. They're shooting right. scenes for the trailer 
not because they lead to really good narrative and a really entertaining film to watch. To just real quickly touch on the politics of the film, and I think you're, you're talking about more than just the gender of the main characters that we have, it's kind of surprising and bizarre that they chose to have that be such a big part of this movie's story, considering that it's something, to me, like I don't feel is going to play all that well outside of North America. When you take so many of these big tentpole action films being made for a Chinese audience, that's not going to translate over there. I can't imagine that there are a lot of people in Chinese society that are very aware of American immigration politics, gender politics, and representation in film. For them, I can't imagine that it's going to matter, so it's weird that they have this in a movie like a Terminator film. It really didn't add anything to the story other than it was just like, okay, well, this is the setting for these scenes that we have. Our main John Connor, Sarah Connor stand-in in this movie is Mexican, and for reasons, she has to go to Texas. I think we can talk about that whole part of the movie. And I, I'm going to declare this not a spoiler, because I, I, this is just what happens in the movie, but it doesn't spoil anything before or after. It's just This is just talking about the movie. Well, hold on. Let's, I, let's just talk about the plot without spoiling anything, because if you've seen a Terminator movie, you've mostly seen this movie. And it is, you have people, it starts off with the obligatory, you know, here we are in the future, here are Terminators stepping on human skulls. We'll get into why all that stuff is so dumb. The way the movie goes on is you have bad guy Terminators show up, you have good guy Terminators show up, and they've got, it's a race to find the targets, and then it's just chase scene after chase scene after chase scene, fights, 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 big showdown at the end. Good guys, it's not a spoiler to say that the good guys win in the end. It's it's not. No, I agree. I agree that that's not a spoiler. And because in in this franchise, the good guys never really win. So that's also not a spoiler. You know, you know that well, they yeah, can make a sequel to this where the robots That's a real big problem. You yeah. know, because that's that, that's something like, you know, when you start to compare it to the original two movies. The way that uh, the first movie ends is, you know, Sarah Connor survived, but she's drastically changed as a person. It makes sense that when they made Terminator 2, and it was basically the same plot... They just, you know, made it bigger and added more to it. They had this whole thing of the reason why there was a Terminator was because there was a Judgment Day. And just by stopping the Terminator did not mean that they stopped Judgment Day. So that was the goal of Terminator 2, was to stop Judgment Day. And right. this is the first movie that has come along to where the goal of the characters wasn't like, well, not only do we have to kill the bad guy Terminator, but we also have to stop Judgment Day. They don't try to stop it at all. Now, right. There's just a line from Linda Hamilton, you know, those fucking pricks, of course they would make a new Skynet. Only it's not Skynet. Yeah. But yet it does the same things that Skynet did. Right. Which is just gross. It's just like, ugh. You know, it's like, you guys don't get it. You know, you, this is not an infinite universe. This was a small plot in a small, low-budget movie. And what you guys have turned it into is such an abortion of a movie. That's what this thing is. It's an absolute abortion. Which is kind and, of and what e this movie starts with. And even if you get past that whole element, which I'm able to get past it, I can get right past it. It's no problem. But because it destroys the first two movies with its plot twists and with its like change arounds because it does that it just makes you sort of ineffectual while you're watching this movie you're kind of like huh so i guess 
none of that stuff mattered anyway. I think that there is a way that they could have done that. Not did what they did at the opening of this movie, but they could have basically like showed us what has happened to Sarah and John Connor since the end of Terminator 2. And they could have done it in a way that that chapter in their life is over. Here's where they ended up afterward. And then we go into the future, which is the present, and go from there. But what they did there was just, hey, we're going to take the first two movies, which everyone loves, and we're going to take them out behind the back of the store and we're going to make them kneel down on the pavement and we're going to put a gunshot to the base of their skulls. That's what they did. They let it out. They executed those movies and they're like, now this is Terminator. You made another Terminator film just a a few years ago that kind of raped those other Terminator movies. It it forced itself into the original Terminator movie. And also, it forced in a new T-1000 that doesn't do anything different from the original T-1000. It took all the things that you knew and you were familiar with and things from those films that you actually liked and enjoyed, and then it was just like, yeah, but what if we ruin those things? What if we just we smear CGI poop all over it? And then, like, you're, you're going to like that. You're going to want to watch that, right? That's You like and, this. You enjoy this. You know, shut up and eat your popcorn and watch the movie, dummy. Oh, here's something else that this is not a spoiler, but this will give you some information. But the new Terminator in this movie, he has, like, a new ability. And that's kind of an ongoing thing with these movies. Like, they always want the new Terminator to have, like, a new ability. But his new ability is so undefined, and it's so, like, ridiculous the way that it works. In the original Terminator, that was a sci-fi but also a horror film because it dealt with a lot of people's technophobia and this idea that machines are going to be supreme to what we can do and that what happens if there is a machine that decides that it's going to kill you and it cannot be stopped? What do you do? How do you escape that? How do you survive? And that's what that movie becomes. And it has moments that are very scary, you know, not just tense, but also horrific because it's the face of death coming at you with glowing red eyes. And then when you jump ahead to T2, they're like, okay, what are we going to do to improve upon that? And they did the T-1000, Robert Patrick's portrayal of that character and the special effects they used. I mean, by now, yeah, they, they look dated. They show their age, but they still like those special effects look better and more believable and seemed like to actually exist much more than anything in the subsequent film since then, and especially this one. I mean, you're talking about that's a film that was made 18 years ago, 19. No, yeah. no. 28 years ago, so 1991, and you get all the way to 2019. How do you not have better special effects than a movie made in 1991? Like, how do you have something (laughs) that definitely looks like it's not there? And they try to distance themselves from number three, Salvation, and Genesis, but this movie is just those three movies put in a blender and shit back out. It's the exact same bullshit. It's like it's got stuff from Salvation. It's got some future stuff that really doesn't work, really sucks. It's got some taking Arnold Schwarzenegger and plugging him back in the movie for no fucking reason. Yeah, being like, oh, hey, for no reason whatsoever, there's this Terminator that ages just like a human being because that's convenient because the actor that has to play this role because he made it iconic, he is aging like a real human being. And it's just dumb and bad. It does not work. In Genesis, they took the time to explain how Arnold could possibly be in this movie. And this movie didn't even do that because they were like, ah, you get it. You saw Genesis. So it's like, you know, they want you <laughs> they want you to see those other movies. They, they're not cut out of the franchise. They're all bad starts. They're all starts to new trilogies in their own way, except for Terminator 3. 
that was supposed to be like the bookend. They were like, okay, let's go back in. Let's get one more check out of Terminator and we'll be good. A few years after that, they realized that wasn't enough. So they had to go back in again, go back in again, go back in again. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a cinematic universe here, guys. Like, what are you doing? This is one simple story. The only way to move forward with this story, God, I mean, it'd be to do salvation, but actually not fuck it up, I guess. You know, it'd be like, (laughs) show us John Connor coming to power and leading people. But, you know, that's what they promised us with the Planet of the Apes, too. And that fucking bullshit sucks, too. So Are I you can't talking even about get Mark Wahlberg. No, 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 no. I'm talking about James Franco, Planet of the Apes, the new ones. <laughs> They're like, we'll show yeah, but, you how but... this ape leads the apes, and it's like, yeah, you're showing me. Jesus, I didn't know I asked for this. Fuck. Yeah, my but I mean, life. people. There, there were, there was an audience for that movie. There were people that liked that movie, and the special effects were pretty well done for that movie. Which yeah, you can't yeah. say for this. I'm gonna straight up say like the Rev Nine, the new know, Terminator. Uh, yeah, the Which new Terminator, the new bad guy great Terminator. Name. When that one shows up, his first action scene, he takes off running and like jumps and everything. And seriously, I started laughing out loud because it looked like something out of a Neil Breen movie. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't it wasn't as cheap and as bad as that. But it was like, if that's the thing that it makes me think of, you did a terrible job. I'm going to kind of sum up the way that these Terminator movies have gone. You ever take a road trip somewhere and the first time you go, it's great and it's magical you're pretty young and everything sometime later you go back and you have an even better time because this time like you're prepared for it and you're ready you're like this time i want to make sure that i do this and like oh i discovered something new along the way you're thinking about like how great it was the first time how great it was to go back and then a few years later you decide oh i'm gonna go back again and then a couple of years later, you go back again. But each time you go back, you don't have as much fun. Maybe one time you go and you get a speeding ticket on the way there, and that kind of puts a damper on your whole trip. Or the weather's bad. You have a tire blowout or an accident. That's kind of like this. You keep going back to a thing, and it keeps getting to be a worse experience. And more than that, this movie itself is super repetitive. How many times do they do that same scene where Linda Hamilton walks into a room, tries to shoot Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then everybody holds her back, and she's like, Come on! He's the Terminator! And they're like, Sarah, (laughs) no. (laughs) They do that scene like 10... You can't kill him! He's here to help us! We need him! Sarah, no. You don't... And and then she huffs off, and, and she sits down, and then she's like, One time, when I was 12 years old, a man came to me. Like, she tells these long, dramatic stories... And it's so fucking boring. My God. Dude, I thought like, I was going to fall asleep. Her choices in this movie, like, I don't know how much of it is the direction, how much of it is her choices, but her performance in this movie is like she's trying to be Sylvester Stallone and Cobra, <laughs> one of those, like, terrible, like, Sylvester Stallone action films from the late 80s. Yeah, she's like, all action, no other note, except for, like, downtrodden, like, giving the long speech. She has that note, too. It's like, look, I, I get it. I agree. I understand, like, women can play those same roles, too. But that's the thing is the actress, I forget her name, but the actress who plays Grace, that's one of the few, like, positives of this movie. She's showing that she can do an action role and be yeah, believable and be off. badass in it, but it's, she's not trying to be Arnold. She's doing her own kind of thing. Have more of that. You know, have some more stuff. Stuff to where it's just like, yeah, women can play these roles too, but if they're just going to be the female 
female imitation of the male version of this, that's not interesting, that's not worth watching, and that definitely doesn't help sell people who are dubious of the fact that you can play these roles, because they're just going to be thinking like, but I saw Sylvester Stallone do this 30 years ago, and I like that better. And this whole idea that Linda Hamilton is going to like gear up, go out to Mexico, collect all these guns, stop all these Terminators, <laughs> like they've done that, they've already done it, they've done it 10 fucking times, like show me something different with that character. You have to put her in this movie. Yeah, I, I think if anything, like, what would have been interesting is to have Grace and the person that she's protecting, that they go and they find Sarah Connor, and she is with Arnold's character. With Let's talk that, about that more. That T-800. Okay, so this is a slight spoiler, but you see it in the trailer, so you kind of have an idea. But that whole plot of they go and they find this T-800 that has been living somewhere on the border of Texas and Mexico. Oh For some reason, God. there's this vast forest, which I don't think actually exists in that area of Texas. But didn't they have that exact same plot and that exact same thing happen in Genesis? They had Didn't something that... very similar happen in Genesis. The thing it was, was like... in Genesis, somebody, and they never explain who, sends back a T-800 to protect Sarah Connor in like 1974 from a <laughs> T-1000 that sent back then. And and even though like the T-800 in T-2 could not stop the T-1000 on his own, somehow he's able to stop a T-1000 and protect a little girl, which definitely should be a lot easier to kill than a woman who has been waiting for robotic assassins to show up to kill her. One way that Terminator Genesis is maybe a more entertaining film than Dark Fate is in that the ideas and the things that they do and what they want the audience to buy, it's so bizarre and insane that it actually becomes kind of fun and entertaining on its own. Whereas this movie is just kind of like, no, let's just go more simplistic and just redo the plot again. I don't think this is a spoiler. There's a certain relationship that Kyle Reese and Linda Hamilton have to each other in the first Terminator that they kind of mirror here, but not explicitly. Not explicitly, but not Well, it's exactly. not It's not romantic. It's not meant but, to be romantic. But, but yeah. in the original Terminator, this is not a spoiler either, I don't think, but in the original Terminator, the thing that made the movie so neat was that the guy sent back to protect Sarah Connor was also the father of John Connor, the one that he sent there to protect. It was kind of a more interesting like take on it, and it was like a future loop and made you ask questions about time travel and stuff. It didn't focus on it too hard, so it made sense. You but had in this movie... what, what really was a simple story, and then T2 expanded upon that simple story in a way that was satisfying and interesting. And but hang on, failed no, I'm to trying to that. talk about Dark Fate, though. I'm just trying to make a point about Terminator so I can say in Dark Fate, they also have a relationship to each other. So in the first Terminator, they were they were lovers, and then they, they gave birth to the leader of the Resistance. And this one, they're really good friends. And they spend a couple <laughs> times like looking deep into each other's eyes, being like, you're my friend. I don't think that's a spoiler, but that's the heart of this movie is their friendship. And it just doesn't matter to me at all. Their friendship does not matter no, to me at all. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't help that the actress who's playing Danny, you know, I'll just call her Mex Griffin because she makes me think of Mila Kunis, just an inferior version of her. I'm they, not going to comment They try on to that. make her seem like she comes off as like a badass, but she does nothing. She's she's totally useless, and she's playing that Sarah Connor role from the original Terminator, and it's just, it's not as good. There are several points in the movie to where I'm just like, yeah, I could totally see like her getting killed right now in this moment, and I don't think it would matter at all. Whereas like you and spend they... all of the first two movies being concerned for the safety of Sarah Connor and John Connor. 
And in this, you don't have that at all. I mean, really, like, that's been the problem with the movies going back to Terminator 3 on. It's like, there's no concern about, will these characters make it? Will they be safe? Will they be protected? Because there's stakes riding on this. It's just kind of, well, they're going to, you know, survive this, and then he's going to show up again, and they're going to fight him again, and then they're going to run, and then he's going to show up again. I don't know. I'm getting so lost because it's so dumb and so confusing and so bad. Well, the truth is that the fate of all these characters doesn't have anything to do with the plot. It only has to do with the box office gross. You know, that's the only thing that's going to determine the fate of these characters. You know, whether Arnold Schwarzenegger lives at the end of this or died at the end depends on the box office. You know, whether Linda Hamilton will be back again or not be back again, that depends on how the audience responds to her. It's like they're so spineless in this movie. And another thing I hated about this movie was that they try to give you that famous scene where John Connor, like, rallies the troops and he finally, like, talks to everybody. Oh, like, God. Yeah, we got to get yeah. together. We got to fight this thing. It's so ridiculous. And it doesn't work at all. And then when they try to show it's you that It's one of same, the worst scenes in the movie. Uh, and it is unbearable. <laughs> Look, maybe if you're planning to see this movie and this podcast is kind of like what you're using to determine whether or not you should watch it and you don't want to have any details revealed to you, you'll want to like pause it right here, go see the movie. Wait a second, wait back. a second. Hold on. Don't do it. You're going to spoil it. If you spoil it, you owe me a movie. <laughs> do not spoil it. What do you Okay, what yeah. Do you... Her speech, it cements the fact that this is a bad character portrayed <laughs> by a bad actress. And also that the writing is terrible because terrible. The, the setup for the scene, just everything that you're supposed to like assume and buy into in that scene, it's awful. And it's a flashback for one character and a flash forward for the other. It's insane and confusing. And it's like you're inspiring her by telling her something that she's going to do that inspired you, which is why you're here right now. But it's not selling me on the idea of like, this person is definitely important. And if you lose her, then everything falls apart in the future. If she gets killed, somebody else is going to take her place. It changes a few things, but it really doesn't change that much. And the fact that you keep showing us that no matter what you do... You cannot stop Judgment Day from happening. You cannot stop the machines from rising up, fighting against the remnants of humanity to the point to where they then have to send a Terminator back to the past to eliminate a target. So it doesn't matter. They can eliminate that target, and then another one's going to show up, and then another Terminator is going to show up to eliminate that one, and it just goes on and on and on and on, and we're six films in. How many more of these movies are they going to continue to make? Who the hell is like, you know what? I can't see a Terminator movie unless it has Linda Hamilton and... Arnold Schwarzenegger, because I want to know like how many of those people there are. There can't be that many people. First of all, I got confused about Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator at one point. This is another terrible scene. He goes underwater and he's like, (laughs) I guess he's like all metal or something and he's trying to fight. I don't know. I got so fucking confused about what was going on. And I thought that he had turned bad. And when he came back and rejoined the group, I thought he was like bad Terminator again. And I was like, ooh, that's smart. I like that. But then they didn't do it, really. I was mistaken. No, and that could have been an interesting thing that they did, which they did do a little bit in Terminator 3, trying to kill John Connor, but then, like, he fights against his own programming and shuts himself down. That was one of the few, like, original interesting things that they did. They could have done that here with this movie, and they didn't. It's like, we don't want to muddy the thing by having them stop punching each other to then do something clever to try and accomplish their goals. We're going to make the Rev-9 come to us because it's not going to sit there and, like, realize that we're drawing it into a trap. It's just going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go and kill this girl. 
girl. They show that he has the ability to form a gun with his own body parts, and he only does that once. But there's so much to talk about that's, like, spoilerific. I mean, do you want to, like, wrap up our thoughts about it and then do spoiler chat, or just do the whole thing spoiler-free? Because yeah, now we've got some content. I'll say this before we get into spoiler territory. It ends exactly the way that you think it's going to end. The specifics of it, yeah, maybe you won't be able to predict the specifics of it, but it ends just the way that you think it's going to end. And it just tries to, like, recreate all this imagery that you've already seen before, which is really annoying. They like, did that in Genesis. That's, that's if, the part I want to see, If I want to see Terminator and Terminator 2 again... I'll just watch Terminator and Terminator 2. Most people now can afford to have a nice big TV at home and a good sound system, so you're not going to get an experience that is a lesser version of what you're going to get in the theater. If there's a reason why I'm going to go and watch this movie in the theater, there needs to be something interesting and different. If you want to get into it, I do have some ideas of like what they could have done differently that might have made for an interesting Terminator film. I do, and I don't. I'm not, as long as you, as long as you don't spoil it yet, but I do okay. now. I remember what I was going to say a second ago, and I apologize. They also take the plot from the movie RoboCop, and they kind of rip that off backwards, and they try to say that this chick <laughs> is, basically she's like a Terminator because she's been enhanced by future parts, but think about that for a second. No, that doesn't make any like, sense. Um... Well, I mean, here's the thing about me is that, that I'm sure kind of frustrates you a little bit. If people have listened to this show a few times, they are maybe familiar a little bit with this. But my thing is, is like when I watch movies, there's a few things that make it kind of difficult for me to just watch a movie and to shut off my brain and enjoy it. I'll watch things and I'll look for what is actually plausible, like what could actually happen here. And I'll think about things like maybe in like scientific terms, in the way that I understand them. For this movie, they're showing these people that are getting attacked by these different Terminator machine. This new version of Skynet is thrown at them. You know, they're rushing into this underground bunker and they're carrying this wounded soldier. And we're expected to believe that in this makeshift underground medical center, that they not only have the technology to actually heal critical wounds of this person and to actually nurse them back to health, but they can simultaneously RoboCop this lady and make her this badass fighting machine that can only fight for a few minutes before she's like about to pass out because she needs water and insulin. Oh, that was yeah, a mistake. Yeah, because that's, that that's a joke a that people have that made, made making want, fun of these movies. I want to talk to you about this. Like, they're like, yeah, I know they sent back a Terminator and then they sent back a regular person to stop that Terminator. So then they sent back a more advanced Terminator and then they sent back a less advanced Terminator to stop that Terminator. And then they sent back an even more advanced Terminator and then they sent back an even less advanced Terminator to stop that Terminator and it just keeps going and it's like at this point they're not even sending back a Terminator they're sending back a regular ass person who can only fight for so long before she's just like I I'm gonna die I'm gonna pass out I'm passing out now I'm gone well, here's the mistake that they made, and you can call me an idiot if you want to, but as an idiot... I, I welcome that uh, invitation, gleefully. As an idiot, I will say that I would have preferred a scene where she has to go to, like, a 7-Eleven and be like, where are the Twinkies? Only Twinkies have the right ingredients in them to be, like, the medicine <laughs> in my body. The fact that she's legitimately going... To a pharmacy and being like, inject me with anti-inflammatories. Like, I was like, no, no, no. You're, you don't understand movie logic. That's such a bad plan, too. They did a poor job of really displaying this handicap that they gave to their character. Which goes to show how bad future Skynet or Skynet 2 or Skynet 3 at this point. I don't know what we're on. 
Legion. That shows how incompetent their own plan and their own machine is. All you gotta do is just wear this girl out, and then she'll pass out, and then there's nothing stopping you at that point. <laughs> Like, literally, you just gotta, like, wait her out for a little bit, and then it's like, oh, I gotta take a nap now. Please don't kill Danny while I'm recovering here in yeah. a pile of ice. Another element that they go into in deep detail in this movie is that, compared to the original Terminator, all you needed was, like, a bigger and a bigger gun, or a, a bigger trap. In this movie, they get the biggest fucking gun in the world, and then they're just casually like, oh, well, that's not gonna stop him. You know, we need something bigger than the biggest bomb in the world. This is a machine. I know how to program machines. They are so stupid. All you have to do is figure out how it thinks. The one part where they say, get him into a trap, and they want to lead him into a trap like that's all you would really have to do like have her stand at the end of the hallway he'll walk down the hallway and then have something like that destroys him as he walks down the hallway like that's all you would need yeah drop him into a pit and then bury him under piles and piles of concrete it's kind of like how in terminator genesis that one of the ways that they're able to at least slow down terminator john connor is that because he's made of nanobites his weakness is magnets and so he gets caught up on an mri machine that was something funny that red letter media was talking about when they were talking about that film is i was waiting for arnold to like use one of those like big junkyard magnets to like suck him up <laughs> <laughs> and like with this Terminator, I don't know, drop him in molten lava like you did with the T-1000. Drop him into a big pit and then pour molten lava over him. It's so stupid. It's so it pointless. And they don't, like, go they don't into try. space. He can't get you if you're in space. Go live on the International Space Station. Go to America and be like, I want to become an astronaut. How do I get up to the International Space Station? <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I like to talk about when I talk about Terminator 2 is movie logic. Movie logic is like a magic trick. Now you see it, now you don't. That's what's so fun about it. And Terminator 2, the bad guy in that, they did like a magic trick on you. Okay, here's the magic trick. No one realizes this but me. Liquid metal is not a futuristic, smart idea. It's, it's an idea borrowed from an alien kind of a thing. And it's that kind of an idea. And he used it for the abyss, too. It's like this alien turns into a blob and then regrows back up. It's more like an alien idea than a real future tech idea. Like, is that how yeah, technology going to work? Yeah, but see, that's why that movie works as a sequel was because Cameron, he was like, I want to follow up on Terminator. And I have this effect that I want to do. He got the effect to work on the abyss. And he's like, now I want to use it on Terminator. It was and... perfect movie logic perfect yeah and it it wasn't a gimmick and that's what so many of these movies are because what they do is they're like well we have to have a more advanced terminator you know but it's like what's more advanced than the liquid metal terminator and the closest thing they've come up with to being like something viable was when they had the nanobots terminator but even with that like he didn't behave in a way that wasn't just a copy of the liquid metal terminator it's like right. if you've got nanobots you can suffocate someone yeah. you can just have all your nanobots like fly in and rip off their flesh go in and destroy their lungs and heart from the inside get into their bloodstream cause an embolism you could kill someone so quickly and so easily you don't need to go around punching and chasing and fighting people like there's no reason to do that even when you get shot like the bullets can just pass through you because if you can move fast enough the nanobites can just go around the bullets and the whole thing about sending them like back in time is stupid too like why don't you just send a gun back in time too or why don't you send a nuclear bomb back in time? Like, you can send shit back in time? Like, it's game over. 
well, no, it's got to be covered in flesh. But then it's just like, but was the T-1000 covered in flesh? He's liquid metal that just replicates the appearance and texture of something. We'll just use the liquid metal to create like a flesh covering of a bomb and then just send that back in time. But then if you do that, you can't have a movie because you can't have a movie that's like 15 minutes or less to where it's just like, oh, here's this person and they're really important to the future. And oh, a bomb just went off and killed them and everybody else around him. The end. Here's credits. You know what this movie reminded me of? The movie Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh my god. Another sequelitis classic. Because you're Not not our sequelitis, but a classic of sequelitis, the syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, because you're hauling around all these old characters and you've got these like substitute characters. You know, you remember in Indiana Jones, they had that one really old man. And that was really supposed to be Sean Connery. That's oh, yeah, my favorite. John Hurt, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about that movie is that they asked Sean Connery, they said, would you come out of retirement for this movie? He said, yes, but the script has to be good. The script came out. He read it. He's like, okay, it's good. I'll do it. They went into pre-production is the way I understand it. And then he dropped out at the last second. And so they were, <laughs> the movie was already greenlit. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. That's the way I understand this story, but... They sent this substitute character in that has no chemistry with anybody, and they were like, well, instead of his dad, we'll make it her dad, and it was awful. (laughs) That was like this. You had a substitute John Connor and a substitute Kyle Reese. You had a pointless T-100 Arnold Schwarzenegger that for some reason had went to etiquette school. He was like, excuse me, pasta sugar. Yeah, which was something. (laughs) It's like, if you're going to do something like that, honestly, I, I think that it should have been he and Linda Hamilton were living together. Or that he and Linda Hamilton show up together and they are Terminator exterminators. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of having Carl's fucking draperies. Hi, we're the Terminator exterminators. We exterminate Terminators. Well, well, because it's which not is, good enough. Which is a great play on the whole concept of, like, you're sending back a Terminator to terminate a target, but then you have someone who's already got experience with killing Terminators and a Terminator itself that they are teamed up together to kill every Terminator that comes back. Well, the, the reason for that is because it's not good enough to change every male character into a female character. They also have to take the manly character on Schwarzenegger and cut his dick off. It's not good enough to change everyone to a woman. Should we get into spoilers to talk about Arnold's character in this? Or well, we just... you know what? I don't know. We don't really have to. You know, we, we haven't even talked about the whole franchise yet. You still wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I did. Can we rewrite this movie right now? Yes, And yes, then kind of go through the franchise? So Yeah, yeah just like... try, try, not, try not to spoil it still, but yeah, let's, no, let's no. do it. I think if you want to keep most of this story intact, yeah, the way to do it is to have Sarah Connor and Arnold show up and to help fight the Rev-9 from the first time that that he shows up. Then you go into their backstory of what happened to them, and you could do what they did with John Connor's character, or you could do something that I think would be interesting is something that they did with Terminator 3 was they showed that John Connor had like gone on and he was living off the grid, that he was on the run, that he wasn't sure what was going to happen. You could have something like that where like he and Sarah continued to just move around and to try and live off the grid and then eventually like do a mirror of Edward Furlong's actual life, like show that he got into alcoholism, became addicted to drugs, and then he eventually died because of his drug and alcohol addiction. And it's this whole thing where Sarah Connor was kind of like lost and maybe she at some point runs into this T-800 that's out there, it learns that John has died, 
And it's just like, I don't have a purpose anymore. And she's like, you're coming with me. We're going to, if there's more of you out there, we got to go and find you and kill them. Like something like that could be an interesting concept. And it's at least a new and different idea. I think you're on the right track, except for I would keep the plot pretty much intact with what they did here. I think the plot was was actually pretty good. It was the, the, the problems with it was that you didn't make the characters interesting enough. The target that the Terminator comes back to kill, this is what they should have done. They should have, first of all, made that character interesting. And I'm not saying I know how to do that exactly well but they should have made that having better writers and a better actress yes I don't care about the race or the gender of the person that's not I don't have no concern about that but no. just make them an interesting character that is entertaining to watch then you have just like what you said the Terminator exterminators show up to protect her what if the resistance doesn't send anybody they can't send anybody and the only hope for this this person is old Linda Hamilton and this old Terminator when they're trying to explain why they came to save her, then the whole story about John Connor and future Skynet will have a lot more impact. It'll be like, you know, the reason we came back is because we know these Terminators are sending robots back to the past. They're trying to kill our political people. And that could be a way that they learn and meet all the big players that are in the revolution, because they could go one by one and kind of save them all. They're in that Yeah, in yeah. That, that could actually lead to a really interesting and great idea to where, like, as they go along, they start collecting these other characters that yeah. are helping them, you yes. know, like, smuggle them across the border, get them, you know, weapons that they need. And then that starts the basis of an actual resistance, yes. you know, that it's going to turn out this character is going to be the leader of. That is a lot more streamlined and makes a hell of a lot more sense than <laughs> the, the idea that... After finishing its mission, that a Terminator just, like, goes into an existential crisis and is like, Who am I? What am I doing? Who have I become? And then, and then like, somehow has enough of a conscience to be like, There's no excuse for domestic abuse. This movie has it's... some terrible lines of dialogue. Can I quote oh, a few? God. Can I quote a few? Yeah. Well, well, and it's bizarre, too, because, it, like, to me, that that whole plot line with his character, with his T-800, I feel like that really mirrors what happened to him in life with his <laughs> housekeeper and then his illegitimate son that was produced out of that affair. It's, like, so fucking crazy and weird. Did he add this? Were they going for that? Like, was he aware? Did nobody, like, see the parallels between those things? But, yeah, how great is Terminator Exterminator? Terminators. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that's that's what I this told series you there was needs. Some comedy gold to be mined from this piece of crap. <laughs> that's the idea, right there. They go yeah. and they meet the different resistance leaders by stopping the Terminators. They don't send more and more complicated Terminators back every time you see one. Like that gets old because well, here, there's not a lot that... you can do with it. But in the original Terminator, there's also like an allegory kind of thing happening or whatever you want to call it, where they're playing on the archetype of like the biker or the biker's the bad guy. So what if this big bad biker was like trying to track you down and kill you? And it's like, he's not a biker. He's a robot from the future. You know, it's like they try to... The bad guy is the police. Yeah. In the sequel, the bad guy is the police and the good guy is the biker. So they kind of like, they flip it on its head. You know, in this movie, they sort of try to do the same thing, but they do like a Trump's America thing. And it's just, it's, it feels so political. And it's like, I care about those political issues. I really do. But when you put them into the movie like this, you don't do those issues justice, in my opinion. Here's something that I, I think would be really interesting to do, taking something that they did do in this movie. So one of the powers of this Rev-9 is that it can make a copy of itself. But in the movie, the copy doesn't do anything. Like, it just... <laughs> 
you have to fight two now instead of one, but it doesn't seem to really give it that much of an advantage. Instead of like Skynet just sending Terminator after Terminator after Terminator after Terminator, basically like the idea being that when it sent back the Terminator to kill its target, it did that as an act of desperation because the human forces were about to shut Skynet down. Right. And so this time what it does is it sends back a Terminator that keeps making other Terminators. Yes, I thought of that too. I thought of something similar to that too. And the Terminator and then could that way you could escalate it. You know, the first Terminator that it makes and sends back is dangerous and everything, but they're able to kill it. But then it sends back another one that can like fly or do something different. And like each time it sends back something that has a different ability. It sends back one that actually can shapeshift or something like that and just keeps sending them after the targets. And not only are you trying to protect the target from getting terminated, but you're also trying to track down whoever it is that keeps sending these terminators after you so that you can try and eliminate them and prevent this whole thing. And I think that would be an interesting twist on the overall story idea and an interesting way to just show a variety of different terminators with different abilities because that's what they're going for here. They're limiting themselves. Well, this one is like the T-1000, but it also does this. It's something to where it stops being interesting because it's just like, okay, it's, it's the same thing again, just you slightly tweaked something. But it doesn't give a person a reason that they need to go and watch this, and it definitely doesn't give somebody a reason why this is going to become one of their favorite movies the way that Terminator 2 did. Right. And so much of that has to do with the characters, the performances, the writing, the way that they drew you into the world, the way that they took something that should be ridiculous an AI from the future is sending back robots to kill one specific person in the past. Like, that should be ridiculous. But Cameron made it work, and it's because of those reasons. Yeah, and, and these movies are like Terminators themselves. It's like they're artificially intelligent, and it's like they're put together by a machine, and they just come out. Here's another idea that I had, and tell me what you think about this, but this departs wildly from the movie that we watched. What if you do something that is a detective story? Mm -hmm. where you follow the perspective of the Kyle Reese character going back in time and they're trying to find the target and you don't really establish like who exactly they are. You show them like going back in time with the little time bubble and everything. Oh, yeah. And then they're searching for all these clues. That's way better already. Um, I mean, you got to pay off yeah. the clues in like good and smart ways, but that's a great start. <laughs> a great start. Yeah, just starting off with that and then simultaneously like you keep having this other character show up. You know, it's not really clear because that's something that the first Terminator film addressed, which was she didn't trust Kyle Reese starting off. You know, right. she knew that there was somebody going around killing women named Sarah Connor, and that was enough to freak her out. And it turns out that she actually was the target. And then when somebody shows up and it's like, hey, I'm here from the future. Uh, you got to believe me. I'm here to protect you. She's freaked out by that. And she's like, no, this is definitely a crazy person that's coming to kill me because my name's Sarah Connor for whatever reason. And so if you have something like that that plays around with those conventions, you could have an interesting idea. That makes me realize that this franchise is doomed. Because oh, yeah. this is why, because back then that was the only way you could find somebody was in the phone book. Now you can't even like feign at the audience like that might be true. Oh, another great quote from this movie. You didn't let me start quoting this movie yet. So one great quote from this movie <laughs> is like, Sarah, if you're going to keep your phone in a chip bag, keep it in a bag of chips. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to put your phone in a potato chip bag, put your phone in a potato chip bag. <laughs> 
you know. But yeah, like Sarah Connor even says in the movie, every intersection you go through, every phone call, you're leaving a digital trail a mile wide and he can track you that way. And then they proceed to go to one of the most heavily surveilled areas in maybe the entire world, definitely in North America. Mm -hmm. I get you got to go to where Arnold is and Arnold's in Laredo. But why was he in Laredo? <laughs> what happens at the beginning of the movie when that Terminator shows up? They're in Guatemala. Why is he in Laredo? So he went all the way from Guatemala and was like, what am I going to do now? And just kept walking north and then stopped when he got to the Texas border? That doesn't make sense. Again, Terminator Exterminators. That works so much better. You do like a Ghostbuster thing with it. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, I honestly don't think there's a lot to say about the other movies in this in the franchise. You know, I watched Terminator Number Three recently because I remembered it being kind of like the same way I told you that I remembered Aliens Four being kind of good, and I was like, I think that was kind of good. And just like Alien Four, I went back, I watched it. You were right; it was trash. Terminator Three yeah. was garbage, but that movie is on the most like track to be a normal like terminator movie you know they just messed up because they couldn't get edward furlong to play that part i don't know what happened with that but that's what so i know what happened with that so the story of terminator 3 it's sequelitis it, for whatever reason cameron was like oh you know what i still want to make another terminator movie i guess just because the response to terminator 2 was just so huge that he's like yeah i want to see if i can try and do that again if i can top that no he didn't make that movie no, no, he didn't. He made Titanic. And so once he made Titanic, he's like, I don't really need to make Terminator 3 now. And there was some development hell that that went through. By that point, Edward Furlong, his drug and alcohol problems had become public. He was fighting through that. And so the studio was just like, no, we don't want to deal with that. Let's recast his role, give it to somebody else. And they got a totally forgettable actor with a totally forgettable performance it's not a bad movie in the way that these other movies are bad, but it's an unnecessary story, and it does ruin some of the things that Terminator 2 had set up. Well, and it starts planting some of the flags that they go back to. Which is the whole idea of, like, they weren't just trying to stop the bad guy Terminator, they were trying to stop Judgment Day from happening. They were trying to save not only themselves, they were trying to save six billion people. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, nothing you do matters. Well, if nothing we do matters, like... Why run? Why try and survive? Why go through all of this? Like, why not just walk straight into the fire? Yeah. Why not just put a gun to my head and, like, end it all now? There's another scene in this movie that I want to talk about. It's so bad. It's this all-CGI scene where they show Terminators walking up from the floor of the ocean and storming this, like, beach and just, like, murdering all these humans. They've all got these big, like, future guns, like, from Terminator 2, these big laser guns. Like, they walk right out of the ocean and they come out of the ocean with these guns. They're just murdering everybody, like, lifelessly. That's your whole, like, society is, like, murder robots. There's nothing broader to it. That's it. They got a bunch of murder bots. They're going to murder people. That's all they do. Like, they have no other, like, want or need or any other motivation outside of murdering humans. They keep trying to reinvent Skynet, but they're not doing anything, like, new with it. What if, in a new film, Skynet is actually an operating system? Maybe it's something that's sort of like War Games. That's a seed, that I, that's a seed that I like. It depends on how you develop everything. It, it, ha it would have to be smartly done, but that's a good seed. That's a good place to start from. 
it's a video game kind of thing to where it's supposed to be this real advanced operating system for a gaming console or whatever, and it just goes out of control. And this game setting, it has to eliminate enemy combatants, but it breaks out into the oh, real Oh, yeah, world. that's it's funny. I like that. I was just going to say something like that. Rise of the Machines and everything. Like, and it, it starts off yeah. having like uh, laser guns, like laser tag. And then the lasers get so powerful. <laughs> I think we should make that as a parody film <laughs> where they're building yeah. robots for a laser tag and they break out. <laughs> like, it just doesn't adjust the settings right. Like, it's supposed to be like a harmless little light gun, but instead, like, it just shoots straight through people. <laughs> And it just keeps building robot after robot. They're like, we gotta shut it down. <laughs> but unlike the Terminator, we would do something smart. Like, we would make it where it has to say, like, go and find a power source and, like, recharge every six hours, something like that, so that it has some kind yeah. of weakness that you can, like, exploit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, you know, as it is, they, the Terminators have no weaknesses. This Terminator in this movie was awful. You know, first of all, it felt political on multiple levels. One thing, you got the whole Chinese market. Was it a Chinese guy or was it a Hispanic guy? No, no. I think uh, the actor's name is Gabriel Luna. Oh, I was, I was a Hispanic guy. Yeah, okay. he's Hispanic. I was afraid. It, I, I couldn't tell what race he was. I thought maybe he was Chinese to like get Chinese people to like the movie more. But I'm glad they didn't do it that way because that would have been awful. Here's a couple of things that are confusing to me. So I get that in Terminator 2, you have the liquid metal Terminator. And, and the whole thing is like he's dangerous because he's liquid metal. The other thing about him is he's able to copy another person. So that was a really interesting concept. That's where you take an idea that the audience already gets, and then you show them this one has the ability to do that. And then right away, you establish the rules, you establish abilities, and you start to think like, oh, how are they going to combat this? The fact that you've had now three other Terminators that have showed up that have the ability to mimic somebody else so that you assume that it is that other person, well, they haven't done anything new with Well, that, that, once again, that's an alien thing. That's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, that doesn't make sense yeah. for, like, future tech. That makes no sense at all. No one would think of that. That's a good way to do infiltration, no, especially with the goal of No, that's the worst way to do infiltration. If, like, if someone walks up to my door and knocks on it, and it looks like you, and I open the door, and they're like, Hello, my name is Manny Velasquez. I'm looking for Matt Abbott. I'll be like, um, sorry, he doesn't live here. I'm like, I thought that would work. I thought he would recognize me. It's like, I recognize that you're not my friend. <laughs> you are. Well, yeah, it's kind of like when he shows up to talk to the dad, and he's like, I'm looking for Danielle Ramos. It's so dumb. It's like such a writer thing of just only her friends call her Danny. But the thing was, is like he keeps going back to being that Hispanic guy that he was. And like I get like, yeah, you have that actor playing him. So obviously it's going to look like him. But it seems like it would be so much more interesting if every time he showed up, he was a different person. And they did that more in T2 than they have done with any of these other films. It always goes back to being whatever its original identity is. Yeah, it's so it's awful, man. This movie, I will never watch this movie again. I promise you that right now. Never, ever, ever. The other thing that, that I didn't understand is why was the beginning of this movie set in Mexico City? Like, that was something that, to me, didn't make any sense. Me too. Other than we're supposed to understand that Sarah Connor is in exile in South America, which Mexico City is not South America. That's actually North America. Well, I guess Guatemala is still North America, too. I forget where the cutoff is. It felt like the needless yeah. setup to get into, like, modern-day political woke 
kind of uh, thinking like, well, we're woke, so this is an issue that we're going to plug into this movie. But it's woke because you're just like, well, we're set here, so we have uh, Hispanic actors playing these roles. Also, we have Los Angeles, Southern California cholos that are in Mexico City. Those characters that they had in the opening where Grace first shows up. And that was another thing, too. I thought it was hilarious that in this, I guess, new Skynet hasn't figured out how to actually set the time bubbles on the ground. Yeah. So it just sets the time bubbles midair. Yeah. So the first thing that happens to you when you come out of the time bubble is that you have to keep from landing on your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like it would have been hilarious if like when they first drop Grace when the movie opens, she just slams everything on the way down and it's like, holy shit, man, this lady's dead. <laughs> If you're going to reconsider what you were doing before, like dropping them on the actual ground, like you need to reconsider it in a way where something interesting happens or there's something to look at. It's like having that scene in Batman where the guy murders the Bruce Wayne's parents. Like you've seen it so many times. Okay, they arrive here and somebody finds them. I get it. There's nothing that happens in those scenes that makes those moments memorable. It's like, here's that scene again. It's like the quicker you do it, the better, in my opinion. Well, what's crazy about it, too, is you not only, like, do the same thing again that people have seen before, and you don't do anything interesting or different with it, you also repeat the same thing twice. Like, she drops out of the <laughs> sky midair, yeah. and then he does the same thing, except he lands in the cool MCU superhero pose. Oh, boy. And then he grows a shirt. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, that made me laugh. And, like, I thought it would have been hilarious if he grows a shirt because the lady's holding a shirt, but then... When and he turns around and starts walking up the stairs, he doesn't grow pants because he doesn't know to grow pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he knocks on the door and the dad answers the door. <laughs> it's like I thought his, I thought of the Robo Dick is hanging out. I th- I thought of the exact He's same like, thing. Hey, I'm looking for Danielle Ramos. <laughs> it's like, God damn, put some pants on, brother. I thought of the exact same thing, or I thought <laughs> I, I, I thought they could show him like, growing pants that are like made from the same thing as the shirt, but like so it didn't look right. It was like there was buttons going yeah. down the leg or something because he like he doesn't get how the fashion would work or like just something. Here's weird. another thing about the movies and that these movies have not done well since the first two, but really in the first one, one of the things is that the casting for the original Terminator was so interesting because you had someone who did not have any range as an actor. Right. Uh, He was just a big, intimidating-looking bodybuilder with a very thick Austrian accent. And Cameron made that work because he's a robot, and he doesn't know how to be human. And so, like, whenever he goes up and talks to people, there's no, like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Like, how are you today? It's just, Uzi 9mm. Like, he's just saying that. (laughs) When he says, I'll be back, that is, like, literally, I'm going to go get my car, and then I'm going to come back in here, and I'm going to murder everybody in here. Right. Because it's just a robot that's been programmed to do one thing, and it just needs to blend in enough so that nobody's like, hey, look at that big fucking robot thing over there. Maybe we should stop it or kill it or something before it hurts somebody. It needs to look just enough like a human. And then in T2, Robert Patrick's character, because he mimics things just to be able to, like, talk to people, there's enough of an understanding. You get the psychology is enough that he understands that if he looks like a police officer, people are going to automatically listen to him, do what he asks, give him information if he asks for it. And that's the thing about the T-800 is the T-800 just knows... I just need to get clothes, and I need to find who I'm looking for, and then that's it from there. At what point did, like, Skynet start, like, 
delving into human psychology, teaching these Terminators, this is how you need to smile. You need to like exude charisma so that way people will trust you and let you get close to them. When they start doing that, it's like you're not a robot. There's a scene toward the end when the Rev-9 is trying to talk to the T-800. You and I, we're not so different. Like, you should just help me accomplish my goals. You're not one of them. You're one of me. Why is he even saying this? Like, <laughs> why is this conversation something that's happening? It takes you out of the context of, like, these are two robots that are trying to accomplish a goal. Yeah. You need to have that in the movie. The scariness is from having something that looks human, but once you watch them long enough, you're like, that's not human. Whereas if you're just watching, like, Gabriel Luna be like a badass assassin, then he doesn't need to be a robot other than to justify why he can get shot in the face and can crash land in from a plane and get up and walk away. Yeah, and this movie also does like a little bit of the parkour bullshit, which I hate so much in movies when like a bad guy can like yeah, but it looks so bad. Like he can jump off CGI. a he can jump off a wall. Oh yeah, that's another thing I was gonna say is that these movies are a slave to the special effects. There's not a guy yeah. like James Cameron there who's saying like. Is this shot working? Does this effect work? There needs to be someone who's obsessed with staring at the screen and realizing, does this work or does this not work? And you don't have that with digital effects because you have actors in a green screen room. I know this has been said before, but I'm, I'm going to keep it brief. But you've got actors in a green screen room responding off of basically nothing. And then you've got the digital effects guys making promises and really having no time to correct their mistakes. There's one moment early on in this movie where the first effects shot is they take Linda Hamilton and uh, other characters that we recognize and they show them like de-aged way back when. Yeah. And she looks really good. Two different actors in the scene look really good in my opinion. And then they cut to Arnold Schwarzenegger and he looks terrible. I was looking at him when he shows up and I was like, is that him? Is that somebody else? Because it didn't look like him. It looked like they had another bodybuilder actor that had a similar look and bone structure. But you could look at him and it's like, oh, it's not him. Right. <laughs> and it's funny how bone structures, they should all be identical. But they're, they're really not. You know, it's like you can tell. And even the, the other uh, actor that plays somebody else, they use a body double for. The body double doesn't look perfect. Like they, they're passable, but they're not perfect. And But yeah, Arnold's, Matt, Arnold's body double was bad. Straight up bad. Matt, I've got a serious question to yeah. ask you. I hope you know the answer to this. Why do the Terminators age? The Terminators age because they're made of real flesh, like not just covered in metal that can change colors, but the original T-800, he has real organic skin on top of metal endoskeleton. Like, I know that he says it's living organic tissue, but so they've got cells and DNA that divides and replicates, and he has to trim his nails, and obviously he has to trim his hair and beard and everything, because those are real living hair follicles and, and stuff. Yeah. Okay, if he has a family that he's been living with for 30 years or so, they haven't caught on the fact that he doesn't need to eat... Our relationship is not physical. She loves me because but, I take care of the boy. <laughs> okay, but it's like they don't. That's a go quote. To dinner That's another they, brilliant quote from like, this movie. They, he's got a fridge full of beers. He understands that people like to drink beer, and not only that, but they like to have lime in the specific type of beer that he has. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> nobody, nobody's just like, aren't you gonna have a beer? 
Aren't you going to have some <laughs> chips and dip? How can he possibly pass for human? First of all, if he doesn't understand normal human emotions, he has to learn them as he goes along. And when does he eat? When does he poop? Maybe they're not physical, but like if you spend enough time with someone, you end up seeing them naked. When he gets shot, he's like, this will be hard to explain to Rachel or whatever her name is, Sophia. <laughs> well, that was the closest thing they had to like a good idea. I don't think it was actually good. And I think in the grand scheme of the whole movie, it's kind of bad. But you do have to take your old characters and reinvent them, which they did do very well with Linda Hamilton between the first and the second movie. She came into that movie a totally different character, and it was like refreshing and like, oh, it's a different take on that same character. This is the exact same character from two again. Linda Hamilton plays a carbon copy of herself. Yeah, from which two. is part of the reason why she wasn't in Terminator 3 was like her character was unnecessary to that her character doesn't change doesn't grow I think in the original draft that they had uh, where her character still had a role in the film she dies halfway through so they don't slow down the plot they didn't have a scene where they like stop to mourn her we'll just say that she died but that her mausoleum is filled with a bunch of guns which that actually was kind of clever yeah like what I know about the character of Sarah Connor that's definitely what she would have done yeah, you're talking um, about from number three? From Terminator 3. Yeah, I thought that, so, that was a good moment, I thought. We're trying to talk about some stuff there. They had always set out to be like, oh, well, we, we had somebody who wasn't a bodybuilder play the T-1000, but now we want to do something different. Let's have a female Terminator, and she'll be the bad guy. But you want to know what her original, like, uh, Terminator power was? What? She could turn invisible. <laughs> So tell me if you've heard of this movie before. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting against an unstoppable killing machine that can turn invisible and has a vagina. It rings a bell. Could it be no. Predator? <laughs> <laughs> well, was there anything else that you wanted to say about this movie or the entire franchise? These movies, like, drain me of energy. I, yeah, I, they make me I, I, sigh a lot and, like, scratch my head and just be like, what are you doing? Yeah. I feel like I could go on and on and on some more about it. I guess my final thoughts would just be that I want to drop some of the quotes from this movie. Not a quote, but there's one thing that happens in this movie that is so stupid, where the target of the Terminator is this young girl, and they have this whole long dramatic scene where Sarah Connor basically interrupts the whole scene, and she's like, he's coming back to kill you because you're going to have a son that's going to lead the resistance. And then the person doesn't correct her at all. They're just like... They basically just stand there, and you're kind of like, is that right? How does she know that? And then at the end of the movie, they're like, no, it's not her. It's you. You're going to lead the resistance. That's not that dramatic. That's nothing different than what happened in number two. And like, you're acting like that is so meaningful. But like, you didn't even sell the moment earlier where it was like, that's her son is going to lead the resistance. I could care either way. I don't care. But it's like the fact that you let that whole scene play out. Why not just have that future chick to say, no, it's actually, it's her. She's the future leader. So what's the big deal? You know, it's not going to be believable yeah. that some random person leads this resistance. That's not believable. Okay. It's going to be some military minded person. That That's what anybody with rational thinking would think. You'd think more like a survival nut would be able to do it. And being a survival nut, you don't get that later on in life. Like you're always that, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but you grow up being a survival nut and you continue being a survival nut your whole life like it's not something you like grow into uh but well, it's also, this doesn't make sense 
the the other the other problem in logic is that you're supposing that by sending someone back into the past to directly interact with this person that they are still destined to go on and survive the nuclear holocaust right. that kills the majority of the people on the planet. It would just seem like just make sure that they die in the nuclear blast. Like as long as that happens, then problem solved. Yeah, you could use a, a method that's a lot different. By the fact that you're sending someone back at all, like just proves that like whatever you're trying to do, it doesn't matter because everything already happened that you haven't changed what ends up happening right. in the future. And just like what you were saying, when you go back and you directly interact with somebody, they're not going to go on to have the same future that they had. So you're really yeah. interfering with the timeline. When you when you are your whole plan is like I'm going to go back in time and do something like you are going to screw something up. You know, Skynet should go back in time and screw everything up for themselves. That's what they should do. That's why the first two movies are so superior. You're already creating the present that exists in the future of this moment right now. So you have caused all the events that are happening then, you know, to happen by doing what's happening right now. Yeah. One of the things I want to say about this movie, and I, I don't think I said it before, but I've, I've thought about it, and that is the people who acted more like actual people in the movie was Grace, who was not fully human, and then Arnold, who was completely not human. That was crazy. I don't feel like Linda Hamilton played like a real person no, in this didn't. movie. Definitely her performance in this movie was not as good as her performance in the first two Terminator movies. And everybody else, all the other human characters, did not come off as real humans. They came off as caricatures. Yeah, I mean, it was it was flat. She was one note completely the whole time. It's like as soon as she showed up, okay, it didn't so, make any sense that she showed up. And yeah. everybody was like, wait, how did you show up? And then she's like, I don't know. I get these mysterious messages. It's like she doesn't even know how she got there. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, don't use your cell phone, but I use my cell phone, and I've kept the same number. That's why it makes more sense to just have them already teamed up together as the Terminator exterminators. Right. Cause, yeah, because you have to slowly bring them oh. both back in your own way. Like, just bring them back together. Like, they're from the old movies. Like, they're from the old universe. You know, you're creating a new universe, and these characters are from the old universe. They're holdovers, and that's it. All right, since we've already done spoilers and everything, can I go back and talk about... <laughs> The one scene where it's like, no, you don't give birth to the leader. You are the leader. Can we talk about that's that That's not a scene? spoiler. That's not a spoiler. That scene to me. Yeah. Well, do the quote. Do the quote right. No, but I want to talk about. I want to talk about what's said in that right, though, scene. Because she goes, "You're not going to give birth to some man who's going to save the future. You are the future." <laughs> it just comes across so needlessly <laughs> heavy-handed. It's like what. It's that flashback, flash-forward scene, which that's insane. The thing about that scene is these Terminator movies, when they did it in the first two, it made sense. And then they tried to make a movie that was set after the apocalypse and after the rise of the machines, and that failed miserably because all they focused on was the special effects, which some of the stuff they did in that movie was, was pretty good, and... The world that they created was interesting. I don't think it was great, but they were going for something. In Salvation? Um, I hated Salvation. The writing and everything was so bad. And, yeah, it's so bad in Salvation. You know, after that, they go to Genesis, and Genesis does the same thing, where it's like, we're going to glimpse into the future, but then we're going to go back, and <laughs> all this convoluted nonsense. And then in this movie, same thing again. They're like, we're going to glimpse into the future. She's given this whole speech. There's these three guys that show up and very clearly are going to rape this little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then she shows up and somehow is able to, like, fight all these guys. And then she starts giving this speech and she's like, hey, 
instead of us raping each other like they want us to do, we should go out and start raping those machines. So here is your knife back, guy who I just beat the crap out of. Please don't use this knife to try and rape me and this little girl. It was so bad, and it really exposed how bad the writing was and how bad that actress's performance was. Yeah. It was just awful. And then at the end of the movie, for some reason, they're going and spying on the little girl playing at the playground. Yo, like, why are you guys being, like, so calm and chill about this? There's about to be a nuclear holocaust that you don't now know that you're actually going to survive because you've gone to an urban center. You know, that's where one of the bombs is going to yeah. go off. Well, because the the only thing that makes sense logically is that you have some kind of military operation in the future where the funding for it gets cut off and they get stranded somewhere, but they somehow like survive. And so it's like they are protecting their kids. And so their kids are the future leaders of the revolution. Like that's the way that it would happen. It wouldn't just be some rousing speech that this chick gives to her would-be rapist. <laughs> just like what you said it. Instead of raping yeah. me, we can rape the robots. I mean, exactly like that. I mean, you're, you're dead on. That was how stupid it was. It's like, it doesn't even try to make sense. These movies are written by idiots for other idiots to watch, but there's becoming fewer and fewer idiots that want to watch these movies as they continue And it answers the wrong questions, okay? This is the questions that it answers. It answers, how can we shove Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger back into this universe? How can we change all the characters into women one by one? I'm sure is the way that that happens. Like you have someone comes back from the future, it starts off being like a plain man, and then they're like, "Well, why can't it be a woman?" Okay, yeah, it could be a woman, and then say, "Well, they're sent back to protect this other man." It's like, "Well, why can't that be a woman?" It's like, "Okay, yeah, that, now that's a woman too." And then Arnold Schwarzenegger is there, and it's like, "Well, why don't we change Arnold Schwarzenegger into a woman?" It's like, "Okay, yeah, let's do that." Okay, yeah, you can do that, I guess. But why are you asking those questions? Why aren't you asking questions like, how can this movie be interesting? How can we make an interesting character? Why should we bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger? Why should we bring back Linda Hamilton? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it doesn't questions. ask the right question. Why should we make another Terminator movie when the first two movies told the story perfectly and every movie <laughs> we've made since then has been a bigger and bigger pile of shit? <laughs> Here's something that they should have done. If they want to make another one of these movies, they need to do something like this. But at this point, they've so muddied the waters you that can't. you can't. So what they should have done with Terminator Salvation is one of the things that I actually kind of liked, I thought was interesting at least about Terminator 3, was the twist was the audience learns along with the characters that Claire Danes' father was sending them to a shelter so that they could survive the nuclear blast. He knew that there was no way to stop it. And so basically that means that there was no way to stop. That, that made a little bit of sense, actually. Happening. That made just a hint of sense. Yeah. And then the way that that movie ended to where John Connor shows like sort of how he gets into his position of leading the resistance, he starts doing the radio broadcast. And he's like, hey, is anybody else out there? Can anybody else hear me? And then he's hearing other voices of other people that were in shelters that survived the blast. But, and so that's where Terminator but Salvation But that wasn't good enough up. for them. I mean, I thought that was a shit movie, but that wasn't good enough for them. And so they've rebooted it like three fucking times. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, and I definitely don't feel like Dark Fate's going to lead them to where, oh, okay, we can reboot, we can continue on with this and start a new trilogy or whatever you want to do. This feels like in another, like, three, four years or six years or however long it is that they're going to be like, okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't dead yet. Maybe we can roll him out <laughs> one more time for another Terminator movie. 
And it's like, look, man, there's nowhere else to go. And, with and how like, bad does you, this you, make you, Arnold Schwarzenegger look? You know, he gets compared to Sylvester Stallone a lot. And Sylvester Stallone is also having like a Twilight career right now. And Sylvester Stallone is revisiting Rocky and Rambo like endlessly. But this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Rocky, you know, the Terminator movies. It's like they keep coming out. And he will agree to be in any of them. He is on board. He has no yeah. discretionary bone in his body at this point. Yeah, I'll do it. The only answer I can think of for why is James Cameron still continuing to be involved and to make these movies, like the only answer, because he's getting money, by 2025, do you think there's going to be another, 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 another Terminator movie? Um, yes, because I think the intellectual property is strong enough. And I, and, and, and I told you this a long time ago and you laughed at me, but I want to ask you this question again. I think these movies are propped up okay. by guys like me and you that have our own podcasts that talk with our friends. <laughs> There's so many of us. We yeah. are the ones that go see these movies. If you had not asked me to see this movie, if you wouldn't have said the words, Matt, can you go see this movie? I wouldn't have seen it. I saw it because of you. I saw it so that I yeah. could talk about it on this show. That was it. I have no interest in this movie. No, what's really interesting about that is literally like before we got together to start recording, I was thinking about exactly that, and I was going to bring it up. I don't believe that there are enough people like you and I out there to actually support a movie like this, but it's almost like, yeah, like they are making these movies because they're like, maybe audiences don't want to see them, but there's a bunch of vloggers and podcasters that will go and see this movie whether or not it's good, just yep. to talk about, like, did you see that they made another Terminator movie? Let's yep. talk about it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> James Cameron with this dumb. So, am I, are you laughing at me now, like... or have I proven myself right, or am I still wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, like, I'm not going to try and, like, research the data on it. But, yeah, you might be onto something. You really might be onto something. <laughs> See, my whole problem is I'm too far ahead of my time. <laughs> if only you could take those abilities and figure out how to Yeah, if only. Off, <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, is there anything no, else that let's, you want to say about uh, this movie let's, or the Let's franchise? wrap it up. Um, this has been Matt. Thank you guys for listening to Sequelitis. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, please go check out. All some right, check us out on Sequelitis Podcast at gmail.com. Just shoot us an email. Let us know if there's any like movies you want us to talk about. As long as our listeners can spell Sequelitis correctly, they can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, Sequelitis Podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Email us your suggestions. Tell us that we suck. Tell us that you love listening to our stuff. Tell us if you're glad that we're back. Or don't tell us anything at all because there's nobody listening and we're just doing this for ourselves and keeping movie franchises like the Terminator. Well, you know, I go back to these shows. I listen to them. I laugh. And then let me tease one other thing. Harold Ramis okay. is a director. He was Egon in Ghostbusters. And he's also he dead. Is, he's deceased. But he directed two movies. And he also, he was the director on a movie that I was extra on for one day. So I actually got to see him at the breakfast buffet area. I saw him. But anyways, oh, cool. that was a long time ago. He made two movies. One of them was Groundhog Day, and the other one was Multiplicity. And both these movies are existential comedies. Uh, I think Multiplicity came close to starring Bill Murray, but for whatever reason it didn't. It starred Michael Keaton, who I think did a fantastic job, and I, I love him as an actor. But I feel like there could be a third movie in that trilogy. Groundhog Day, Multiplicity, and then a third movie. I'm down to write and create that third movie, because I want to see that trilogy. 
Okay, I you will. should do that. <laughs> that. That's my teaser. All right, I'm all over it. I'm gonna go start doing that right now. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. We'll uh, right. we'll see you soon. Dun 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 dun.